Welcome, everyone, to another Baseball America Prospect Handbook podcast, along with J.J. Cooper at JJCoop36. I'm John Manuel at John Manuel BA, subbing in for Ben Badler. And this Baseball America Prospect Handbook podcast is brought to you by our friends at DraftDay.com. DraftDay.com is a new concept that offers short-term or daily fantasy sports games for real money. The concept is simple. You pick the day you want to play instead of fantasy lineup. If your picks perform well that day, you win. You can play for free or real money, and they award cold, hard cash nightly to the top-performing players. They've already awarded more than $10 million, and it's completely legal to play. DraftDay.com also has a new rapid-fire game that takes one minute to play with huge payouts. Just pick between a few choices of players and choose the ones that will score the most points. It's that easy. All you need is three of five correct to double your money. DraftDay is offering a special offer to Baseball America listeners, so be sure to head to DraftDay.com and enter the promo code BAPODCAST, and that'll start you off with a free instant cash bonus. If you like free money, head to DraftDay.com and use promo code BAPODCAST. And once again, thanks DraftDay.com for their sponsorship. And, you know, JJ, we've been uh, so busy the last couple of weeks. We uh, didn't get around to podcasting last week where you and Ben didn't get around uh, to we're gonna podcasting. We're going to make it up for you two this week, though. Maybe three because we're going to do a trade deadline podcast on Wednesday. That's so. right. So this this week we're going to make it up to you. And uh, uh, unfortunately for the rest of you, Ben's got a little uh, head cold. So I have to sub in I for I like ben. having the gang back together. <laughs> it I is. Do. I have nothing it's against Ben, school. but it's like – uh, I miss I miss you, John. Even and I have if I to see say, you every day. I have to say, I'm really used to sitting back here in the podcast nook, you know, without my pants on, just podcasting with Aaron over the over the over the phone line. No, I I keep my pants on, but um, I'm I'm not used to a body being in front of me for the podcast. It's usually disembodied, or it's it's Aaron over the rocket fish camera here. So um, good to actually talk with a person in person, and this is a great week to do it, JJ, because this is a great prospect week uh, with uh, the trade deadline coming. Although, so far, JJ, the podcast that will the players we can podcast about today, the prospects who've been traded for today's podcast have been generally fringy podcasts. As we, I mean, prospects. I keep getting those words podcast mixed up in my head. Prospects, podcasts. Is not that we hard. Talk about prospects or the players. On. Not, th- not that yeah. hard. But it's been a lot of fringy guys traded so far. There's been one blockbuster right now, uh, and I, I think it's going to be tough for any trade to see that we see. To, to top, top the Matt Garza the trade. The Matt Garza trade. Because that was... That was a good trade. That was legit. I, I think the Cubs did an excellent job on that one. Uh, I don't... I'm, again, I don't think it's like it went poorly for the Rangers or anything like that. Right. But the Cubs got... If you said... We've talked about this in the office all year. The Cubs, when it comes to position players, they got a lot of intriguing position players to build around going down the road. Oh, yeah. When it comes to pitching... There's a lot of guys that they need to add, and that's one of the things they did here. They added a useful, very useful back into the rotation starter, potentially Justin Grimm. Uh, I know he had bad numbers this year. At the same time, he's a very. So- I still like him as a guy who. Yeah. He's not going to be a dominant, you know, front end of the rotation guy. He's probably be a three four type of guy. He's got you know number three type stuff and number four type or five type command basically. Right, but he could be a, a useful guy at the back end of the rotation. And then C.J. Edwards, a great scouting job by the Rangers, a great development job by the Rangers. It's like the Rangers version of like uh, Brandon Beachy or Evan Gaddis. Not at the same level, but I mean as far as a, a deep cut, a guy who is not a high draft, not a big bonus guy, just but, really good scouting story. But this guy's legit. I would say right now if you said if we had gone 100 deep on our midseason prospect, you know, he'd have, he'd have been in the 100. Yeah. I, 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 we're working on best tools right now. You talking about People like, are raving about C.J. Edwards when I do salad league coverage. If you're ranking like just the best arms, pure arms in the minor leagues, he's one of the better pure arms in the minors. There's 
polish to be added, but he has arm strength, arm speed, athleticism. Shows he can spin it. Exactly, hand speed. He has all the raw things you're looking for in a and, prospect. And the other thing is is what where there's an interesting debate is, is he's really skinny. Right. And really depend- young, too, isn't he? Right. Like, what, 19, right. 18? Depending on who you talk to. You know, I talked to a scout, again, when I'm doing the salary league stuff, who said, you know, I, I really think he's going to add 20, 25 pounds. He said, I don't know if you've seen the best velo you're going to see from him because he is a guy who I still think is projectable. Even right. though he's in low A, I think when you look at this guy when he's 23, 24, we may not – the best may still be to come with him. Now, there, this is the perfect kind of guy for the Cubs to get. You don't get C.J. Edwards – in this trade, if C.J. Edwards is pitching in AAA. Yeah, or if he's established himself in AA and had some success the, and kind of in the meat of his prospect ascent to the right. big, big leagues. Now, at the same time, you may find four years from now, he doesn't have the value that he has now. Right, it's, maybe he really, winds up a reliever. Right, it, it could go in either direction, but if you're the Cubs, you need to add high-end potential arms to your system. They did that. And then you throw on top of that, add to the uh, – What's going to be an interesting uh, spring training, even next year, uh, will be interesting for the Cubs as they have about you know seventy-two infield candidates to see <laughs> to sort through. Mike Holt's an interesting one. I know that people get hung up on the you know the strikeouts, and hey, that is a concern with him. At the same time, it's I, I think you're crazy if you get too hung up on his what is you look at what his numbers are right now this year and say, well, look, he's having a terrible year. He does he's not a prospect anymore. He, the concussion that he suffered last year in winter ball, whether it was that or whatever, he had legit vision problems. He couldn't see the ball right. Yeah, there's some April. cause and effect. And, you know, we had – I think we've talked about it on the podcast. There were some reports about his vision, some questions that amateur scouts had about his vision when he was at UConn. But certainly, up until this year, his pro track record had been quite good. And even if there's a lot of swing and miss in there, uh, there's power. I mean, he sounds like he's uh, the, uh, an offensively – I think it's reasonable to, th- to see this guy having a, at least a Dan Ugla kind of career is within reach for this guy, and then he's a better, more valuable player potentially because he's doing it at third base. I'm thinking like a 250. Plays, and plays a solid third base. Right. The, the other guy I think of who, who ended up being better than that, but I, I, another guy I come back to is Edwin Encarnacion, who I believe right. actually started in the Rangers organization. Correct. You know, a better defensive version of – but, again, that, I'm not saying with that. Like, EE has turned into a better player than I think – Almost anyone expected with you know what he did last year right. um, was a little bit. I'm not talking about that, but I'm, yeah. He, Olt and Olt needed to get out of the Rangers organization though because he wasn't going to have that value in the Rangers organization because you're playing behind a Hall of Fame third baseman, right? Who's going to be there for a long time? Well, Michael's the first baseman doesn't have nearly the value I think that Michael the third baseman does. And the Cubs have basically had one good third baseman since Ron Santo and Aramis Ramirez. So if Mike Olt can be the second best out of those guys, if he's better than Gary Scott, or I'm nah. sure there's some other guys who are in there, but there were a lot of pretenders of that throne for a long time. Now, really what you're looking at with him is, is that I, I do think that if you're projecting them out, he's the logical – like if you're, if you're asking me to predict – in 2015, I see. JJ, I'm asking you to predict in 2015, what's the Cubs infield look like? <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> uh, it's nice to have someone in person. You know, we can do this kind of thing. Uh, old third base. I'm going to say Baez shortstop. See, I was assuming you were going to say Junior Lake. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, but, but I think Str- I, I don't know what Starlin Castro. That's going to be an interesting question. But more and more reports think that Baez, especially early in his career, is going to be able to handle position defensively. If that's the case, it's. But let's just say for now, I'm going to say, okay, 
I, I, I'm going to go with right now, buy as it's short. Not going to be there in 2020, mm-hmm. but in 2015. So that means it's second base. Like, you got to have Starlin Castro. You, I guess that means Castro is second base. That means If you're not putting him at third, I mean, just right. looking and just watching Cubs games, he's getting to be a big boy, not in a I, bad way. But, but I, I see him at second. I like Arzmendi Alcantara, but he doesn't fit with that. I mean, right. Darwin Barney is kind of shuffled, really shuffled to the side in this. And then, then Chris Bryant, you know, I'm, let's just keep going. Like, first base is going to be Rizzo. Okay. I would see, I was afraid you were going to say Vogelbach, but no, it's a nice option. But Anthony Rizzo is certainly their guy. Especially a 2015 Vogelbach. But by that time, the National League will have the DH. They yeah. won't even call it the American League and National League anymore. But it's called the Selig League and the Bud League. Uh, but uh, but I, I think Bryant is uh, playing one corner. I mean, the other option. More you- than likely, although I, I, it would not surprise me if by then that it's Olton thir- in left field. If you ask me who's more athletic, I would say Chris Bryant's more athletic. But I still think Mike Olt is the better chance to be a third baseman. Yeah. I just don't think it's a runaway. Chris Bryant is six foot five, and there's not a lot of six foot five guys who played third base over the years. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with I, I think Olt ends up out of those two because for really for one, like I mean, Olt. You weren't hearing those questions nearly as much coming out of college as right. you're hearing about Bryant. Right. Uh, and also with Bryant, the reality of it is, is his bat is so good. Yeah, he could get there awfully quick. It's a, a lot quicker guy. if you say, you know what, don't worry as much about the defense. So Nate Sheerholtz and right? No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm trying to think what current Cub is I started. Junior Lake, the roaming team. center. Um, Junior could be a nice utility piece. I'm, hey, Albert, I'm actually so probably Almora. higher on Junior Lake than most. But, yeah, I don't know if Al Moore is there in 2015, but he's the center fielder whenever. I think he's there. When, I like that guy. Uh, we, we both I know do. we all like that guy. Uh, but, but the funny thing is, but the point I'm making, though, is, is if Elts at third base then, okay, so here are your other th- – Chris Bryant can play that position right. where, you know, we're talking about. Javier Baez, if you want Castro to stay at short, Javier Baez would have one of the better arms at third base in the league. Right. Um. Heimer Candelario, who was picked up from the Rangers last year. You know, right. You know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, mean, Arizmendi Alcantara, sorry. Darwin Barney, I know he can't hit, but he's a good fine deep. defender. Sorry. sorry. Uh, they. This is the point. This is they have a lot of – I mean, we're not – Jorge Soler is going to be in the other corner. Right. Um. You know, we're there's a lot of intriguing position players for the Cubs. A lot less intriguing uh, pitchers. So that's – Kind of that's where that gets really interesting. Is is that this is why this trade and a player to be named later. There's a lot of talk that it might be Neil Ramirez if Neil Ramirez stays healthy, and good placeholder at the very least for the. I, think I shouldn't could, say at the least, but I, I think he could end up being. I think he's most likely to me. Uh, yeah, he could not be a starter. I think he just as likely that he's going to end up having some success as a reliever in the big leagues. We've had some injury problems right. and all that. You know, I, I think that might end up being his role too. Uh, JJ, speaking of the Cubs, they also moved a player. They moved Alfonso Soriano, picked up another young arm from the Yankees and Corey Black. I'm kind of a Corey Black guy, although I think he's really he is more of a reliever. His walk rate and his first pro uh, experience would tell you he's probably more of a reliever. But I made this comp last year in the draft. I mean, there are a lot of similarities between Corey Black and uh, Matt Bush. To basically think of him as Matt Bush with better makeup. So anybody who should have better makeup than Matt say, Bush. That, that's damning with but, faint praise there. That's like saying, think But no, but I mean, yeah. the arm and the other stuff is similar. To the good stuff, the reason that Matt Bush, anybody knows about Matt Bush is Corey Black has a lot of similarities. San Diego State, Bush was a commit, little right-hander, quick arm, big velocity. Right. All, the, all those things are similar. 
much, 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 much better makeup in that he stays on the field and hasn't tried to kill somebody with a car. So. He, he's not serving time. That's so right. That, that, that so these are all good things. I mean, really, on the makeup side, that that's a negative. Like, you cannot get out <laughs> if you're in jail. That's exactly right. But I like Corey Black. Um, I, I do understand there's a limited ceiling there, but I thought for Soriano at this stage. But it does kind of tell you a little bit, J.J., about how you know Soriano, I know he has a sub-300 on-base on percentage, but – Right-handed power is hard to find. I guess I kind of thought the Cubs would actually do get a little bit better prospect. Uh, than I they think did the big thing is this that you Black. saw how much they're still paying. Like the right. Cubs are still paying the vast majority of the salary on that, which is that's why I thought they'd get a better prospect but for it. I, I think I think it does show like that the market for Soriano was pretty thin. That's where exactly. I still get I still get angry about that Marlins trade uh, from last month. It's like you know, it, it's one of those things where. If you're the Marlins and you have a payroll like you do, any trade that they do should involve we'll eat the salary. We'll get a much better player back. If they make any more trades for the trade deadline, they should eat the salary. They're not going to. Yeah, that was weird that they the, the trade they did with the Dodgers, the Alaska trade is what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, that was the, a little bit. The Alaska trade, they got nothing basically for them because they were they didn't want to pay any of the salary. They basically got, and that's what Corey. I think Corey Black is at the higher end of these guys. But there are a lot of awful lot of middle relief, future middle relievers. Best case scenario, getting traded this time of year. The Braves with another one, most acquiring those- Scott Downs from the Angels for Corey Rasmus. Again, just arm strength, middle relief type guy. And that was one of the things I did a story last year for trade you know, around the trade deadline, where we just looked at okay, so let's look at all the trades. That have happened at the trade deadline for the last, I think it was 10 years. Right. And the thing that jumps out is is that most of those guys, yeah, never. Never are useful to a big league club. I mean, this is almost the, the highlight of their careers. Corey Raspis may be a little different. He's played in the big leagues. I mean, it's, right. not, it's not the same as just taking that guy in A ball. But a lot of times you got to get a name back just because you're making – but really you're just moving the guy when on. When teams are motivated to move a player, that's how you get trades like Irvin Santana for Brandon Sisk. You know, and sometimes uh, I, if anyone's going to overvalue prospects, you'd think it'd be us, but sometimes it almost the clubs overvalue them even more than we do in certain cases. And then you had, but then you have other extremes, JJ, where you had, well, I shouldn't say extreme, but yeah, the Orioles in the middle of this uh, trade uh, deadline season where we're seeing kind of the, what, what the established prices are that other clubs are paying. I mean, I get that K-Rod is pretty good. He's back to being pretty good again. And then he's a back of the bullpen guy, probably better. But but Nick Delmonico's one of the, he's a pretty good hitting prospect. They're not a lot of first basemen. If he's a first baseman, he's one of the better first base prospects in the minors. And the Orioles don't exactly have prospect depth. I thought that was actually a fairly high price to pay for K Rod, didn't you? I I agree. I, I thought like if you compare, struck me as odd. It, well, what if that's the valuation? Then leading into another thing we want to talk about, like when you hear the, the Rangers are saying that Joe Nathan's available. Right. Well, we're not just yeah, – well, this is a good way to re- finish the review and play it forward. What is Joe Nathan worth if K-Rod is at, at this point worth Nick Delmonico? Because Nick Delmonico, yeah, it, it's a terrible crop. If you said our glaring need is, is we need a first base prospect, you are best off trading somewhere else and saying that guy might end up at first base. Because you, should, you should go find someone in Japan or Korea. I mean, you know, bring you over know. Lee Sung Yap, maybe. He wants but, his, finally wants a shot. I understand that Delmonico is mostly playing third base right, this year. But, but there are some legit questions whether what position Delmonico is going to end up long term. Right. Um, but the Delmonico is, if you were saying who's the best hitting prospects 
in the Orioles organization. He's in the very short list. I was going to say, I'm really struggling to think of two guys who I'd put ahead of him. Yeah, I like LJ Hose as a hitter, but I don't think I like his power anywhere near yeah. uh, Nick Delmonico. And that's, it's just not, a, there's just not a lot of options. Right, it's, so not a, it's not an organization where you say, you know, that they're just, well, you know, if you just have just pure hitter in their organization, it might be Christian Walker. I mean, yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe they just decided, you know what, Nick Delmonico is a first baseman for us. We prefer Christian Walker. But still, you don't have the everyone else doesn't have to know that, right. you know. But um, I, I I thought that was unusual. So going forward, you mentioned Joe Nathan. Yeah, the Rangers are a team we've already talked about here uh, quite a bit, JJ. And I think the stat was the other day that they followed. They, at the time, they were four games back of the Athletics, and that right, was the furthest six. back. So now they're six, and that four games back was the furthest back they'd been in like three years. So I don't think it's panic, but definitely motivation there. And you look at the American League East with. Boston, Tampa, uh, well, I should say Tampa, Boston, and Baltimore. You know, obviously, you know, in, you're in this race for the second wild card potentially uh, if you're Texas, and that, that's, that's going to be tight. So they're motivated. They've got injured pitchers coming back off the disabled list soon with Colby Lewis and, uh, and Neftali Feliz. So maybe they're getting a little bit creative here, but it, this is already a team that's used a lot of help from its farm system this year, J.J., um, it just, it's fascinating to me that they would even consider dealing Nathan, who was kind of found money. They got him, I thought, a pretty good deal but, for them and has been you know, quite good for them coming off Tommy John surgery with a new, a new location there in Texas the last two years. I do think, though, that what they view it as is that, again, if they see, well, look at what K-Rod got. Yeah. Wow, we, what can we get for – I, I do think that there is the argument to be made. I, I saw the stat that said, I think, 28 of 30 clubs – have a you know have a different closure than they did two years ago. Wow. That now some of those are closure goes from one team to another right. and all that. But that includes Papelbon and right. his big mouth in Philadelphia. Right. But all that being said, I, I think that their argument, which I think is a pretty wise one in many ways, is is that it's not that they don't like Joe Nathan, but they do think, you know what, if we trade away Joe Nathan it's not like we're not going to be able to figure out a way to close games because I think it's a smart approach. Naftali Feliz is coming back. Alexia right. Gondo could do that role. That's another guy. And then, and then also, so first of all, I think that that is a club that recognizes that closers are overvalued, but they're also important. They're overvalued maybe in the big scheme of things, but they're also important for a manager and for a team to know when you lead a game, you're going to win a game, and that there's a psychiatric or psychological. That's psychiatric, but a psychological factor there that's important to have that guy at the back of a bullpen for your manager's security blanket and for your team to win games that they're supposed to win. Um, but second of all, also that you don't overvalue a guy like that. And you realize that that position is maybe it's not easy to find. Ask the Red Sox. They've really gone through a ton of guys since Papabon left as a free agent. Uh, but that it, it is easier to find that than it is to find regulars and that it is to find a starting pitcher. Right, especially, again, what you do is is it doesn't mean – Yeah, I think you've talked to Joe Nathan and you tell him, look, this doesn't mean we don't think you're doing a great job. You're, right. all, you, you, you're you an asset. Out, you closed out the All-Star game. But that being said, we have to see if we're going to – if they can fix their offensive problems, which are much bigger than their – I mean, as much as their pitching problems, they need offense right now. Which is stunning. Which is crazy. But if, that, if they can fix that – well, you have to see what's out there. Right. And I think that they're wise to do that. And it's interesting because the Rangers, 
you know, they've been trying, apparently they've been trying to get Giancarlo Stanton pretty much all year. They just keep calling. Oh, what, you know, no, he's not. Okay, we'll try again. That's we'll, a guy we'll, worth we'll, trying about. We'll, be, trying we'll be talking to you again soon. I didn't realize the Rangers ranked ninth in runs in the they American do. League. It's just not. And I know it was a middling offense. That's pretty much the definition of middling. But. Bottom half. And and they, I think that they look and they say right now, because if you're in Texas, it's not about making the playoffs. Right. It's about doing you've, something you've when you get that. there. Yeah, they've done and that. And that being said, I, I like the idea. I really do like the idea of saying we're willing to look at some pretty radical things rather than just say, hey, we're going to sit pat. That, again, doesn't mean that they're going to trade them. But I like the idea of saying, you know what, we actually have a surplus there. We can figure out a way to – Right. Naftali Feliz has shown he could do it. We've we got to count on him coming back from the injury. But – he can close. And again, even with all the graduations of their farm system, if they need to trade prospects, oh, they, they still have, have plenty of depth, uh, whether it's guys at the middle, live oh, arms, they, lower They have level so prospects. many shortstops. I right. mean, they, they, you know, I think that Rohead uh, Odor, the you know, second right. base prospect for them, could be a, a really at this point might could be a cornerstone guy in the deal. Right. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we had a scouting here the other day who said he was the best guy he'd seen in his. Uh, you know, in his uh, pro coverage. I mean, we had a lot of scouts in town thanks to the uh, USA Baseball Cuba series, and I think it was actually at the ballpark where the scout was like, yeah, this is uh, – doing my pro coverage, this guy was one of the – like you said, it could be a cornerstone type uh, I mean, you look player at them, in trade. You could look at, you know, Luis Sardinas could be, uh, you know, if you're a team that needs a shortstop, okay, well, <laughs> the Rangers can trade Sardinas and, and almost not bat an eye because – they have two shortstops ahead of them on the right. chart. So they're so so that's a team that's a buyer. Texas is a buyer. Baltimore's already established it's buying. Um, what what about and then just to keep it in the American League real quick, JJ? What about Cleveland? Do you think Cleveland will buy? Should buy? What can they buy with? I know you've seen some of the Mudcats this year. Do they have pieces there? They have some pieces that they could deal. They, what what's what's the because I mean I mean Detroit I think. Obviously, they they made a, a small move for their bullpen, which is a smart move. I think a prudent move. I think there's talk out that they're gonna, out there they're going to try to do something for a shortstop or some middle infield help, especially if they think Johnny Peralta gets banged by the biogenesis stuff. What's what's your take on on the um, central for buyers and of course your Royals buyers and sell? You know, who's selling and who's buying that? I, I, I do think with the Indians, the interesting thing is, is your 500 it, Royals, by the way. It, the interesting thing with the Indians is I, I do wonder they don't have a whole lot of positions. That you say, okay, the the guy I've heard mentioned is that teams would be sniffing around about is Lonnie Chisenhall. Right. With the idea, okay, look, he hasn't worked out for you guys all that well yet. We're willing to take him in a deal. Well, I, I do think that the Indians are, are kind of wise to say, w- not, I wouldn't say that he's untouchable by any stretch, but you're not going to sell him at, you know. You don't want to sell low on, right. a, on a guy that you believe in. Right. And I think they believe in him. That being said, I, I do think that, you know that they could use pitching. I, I think that they have a couple of pieces in the minors who, I, they're not. No, they're not one of the better farm systems. In the, you know, in baseball by any stretch of the imagination. But it's been a pretty good year for them. I think Francisco right. Lindor keeps getting better. I don't think he's coming in any of these trades. But but Lindor is one of the best prospects in the game, and he's in the argument for the best shortstop prospect in the minors right now. No doubt. Um, Danny Salazar has had a really a breakthrough year. And I know he had a good year last year, but he's taken a step for, forward from there. Yeah, made his big league debut this year. Big Probably one debut. of the hardest throwers in the International League. Right. And really the question with him, if I was a scout on our team, is just, okay, I'm only seeing him go four innings most right. times. 
do I really believe that this guy can down the road be a guy who goes seven and eight pretty consistently? The but, six inning, the six inning outing he made in the big leagues might actually be his longest outing of the I'm year. Pretty sure it is because <laughs> I don't think he had a six inning. No, I'm, I'm almost I, almost dead certain he's at didn't. least tied for the longest outing he had of the year. Um, and, and then really the guy who would have been nice for them if he had had a good year is his Dorsus Paulino, who's really kind of had uh, a a setback year. I think you know hasn't hit as well as you. And really, I've heard some pretty bad reviews defensively about him at short. Now, not that people think he's going to be a shortstop long term, right? But that being said, he if probably doesn't doing... have the value that you would you would ideally. If he's having a great year in the Midwest League this year, right? He's the perfect guy to kind of, hey, look, you know, young, intriguing shortstop prospect. Yeah, maybe he's a third baseman down the road. He, he doesn't have that, you know, that front. I think that they can make more of, kind of. The the moves they can make are more of the helping, like what we've seen with the Tigers. It's you know these these minor moves that end up can help you much more than they can just say, hey, we're going to remake the team by adding a, you know, a, a middle of the order guy or anything like that. Yeah, because it seemed like if there if there were a Cliff Lee market, it doesn't feel like the Indians I don't have the ammunition can, to get into that. I don't think discussion. they can get into that one. I mean, I think they could, but I don't think that they're willing to say Francisco Lindor. I, I think they'd be crazy too. You're right, not, you're, you're, ra- you're crazy to give up Francisco Lindor. They're not that good this year. I guess would be the way to put it. Are no. your are the Royals? I mean, you've you've written about the Royals for years with these prospects. They're finally at 500 uh, in the second half of a season, 100 plus game, 102 games in. Uh, they've gotten hot. They're still six, seven games back. JJ, are they buyers or sellers? To me, I, some, some of them are trying me, to be both. I was going to say they're they're trying to to, to thread the needle. Uh, to me, if you're them. I don't think you just you know do a massive sell-off, but if you've got you know it's interesting. We were talking about you know Joe Nathan, Greg Holland's having an amazing year for the Royals. Great this year. year, their bullpen's been steady as she goes for them all year, really. To me, if any team has seen the example of when you've got a great closer and you got a lot of value for him, that maybe <laughs> you shouldn't on hold him. on to him too tightly. <laughs> The Royals would be the team. You know, Joaquin Soria, is he available? No, not for the, you know, got to be the right package. And then, ow, my arm, and all of a sudden it all goes away. <laughs> well, with Greg Holland, that's they have plenty of guys who you could turn to and say, okay, he may not be as good, right? but they have a – Lewis Coleman spent the first two and a half months of the season in AAA because they didn't have room for him in the, road, you know, in the bullpen. Right. And he came up, but he's pretty much not allowing a hit since he came up. That they have more than enough relief candidates. Donnie Joseph sitting in AAA, he could probably be useful right. as another arm. And the, they, they've got they more. certainly have between Crow and Hochaver. They have surplus arms right. back there. Right. That being said, so to me, if Greg Holland, if you can get a, a massive deal for him, do it. I think it, again, just tells you a little bit about the, the creativity and the forethought of those two front offices. A little bit. There's no They're surprise. More, I was going to say, are the, Rangers are, more, the Rangers are much more of a unconventional what's, you know, whereas – I think the Royals are a more conventional. You know, you don't normally trade away your closer. This is your father's front office, right? Well, <laughs> or grandfather's. So, I, I do think, though, like to me, Holland. You know, if you're Irvin Santana, if you put Irv, if Irvin Santana is on the market, I do think that there are very few pitchers. You know, really, Cliff Lee's probably about the only guy on the market. If he's on the market, if he's on the market, who's a better starting pitching candidate? If you're if I'm them, I I would shop him, especially because they've got Danny Duffy and Felipe Paulino pretty much ready to rejoin the rotation. They may not be as good as Irvin Santana, but again, 
It makes even more sense, JJ, that if you have these starters potentially coming back who can step into your rotation, you can take Wade Davis and say, hey, we've all figured out, like the Rays did, he's better in the bullpen. And there's another bullpen power arm to help your bullpen and to make up for that if you trade Holland. Right. It really does make a lot of sense. Again, to me, if you're the Royals right now. We didn't even mention Kevin Herrera. But to me, if you're the Royals right now, the fact that you're at 500 is, yes, that's that's a big step forward for them. They haven't been here in a long, long, long time. But you can't get too hung up on making sure that you get 85 wins to finish the season right. instead of 81 right. you know, or 80. I, I don't think – I know that it looks nice to have 85 and say you finish with a winning record instead of 80 and you didn't. But really at this point, again, you look at this team, the same thing where you're going to get to the West with the Mariners. They're not really in it. I mean, you could. Right. I'm not saying they can't, but they're in a division where you have to win the division realistically to get to the playoffs because there's a very good chance that the third best team in the AL East is going to finish with a better record than the second best team in the AL Central. I mean, right now, the as we as we record this, the Mariners are what like seven and a half games back of Baltimore. If Baltimore yeah. is your the third, the Mariners the Mariners are fifty and fifty five. I know they've had yeah. a nice run. They're 12 and it's heartening. You know, there's lots of heartening signs there. Hey, Brad Miller and Nick Franklin, these guys look pretty good. Nick Franklin especially. More home runs. I didn't realize they had more home runs already this year than Jason Hayward. So, uh, I mean, Nick- no, there's definitely some signs there. But, again, to me also, if you're the Mariners, I had a scout point this out to me. It was a good point. If you're the Mariners, one of the things when you – if you do make some trades – and say, okay, because they've got a lot of veterans who, yes, they may lose five or ten more games, let's say five, right. over the rest of the year. But they've got to start working in. I know it's not been a great year. Danny Holson's been hurt. You know, they've got the tr- the four. Really, it's not even the trio. It's the four. Brandon Maurer started the year in the, of the of four young starting pitchers. Yeah. Brandon Maurer started the year in the big leagues. Wasn't ready at Saturday. Not Canada. ready. Okay. Good breaking ball. Not ready, though. To, not enough fastball command to start Danny right Holson now. gets hurt. James Paxton has had really an up and down year. I think he's been a little better than maybe if you look at his numbers. Or, you know, I think he's a little been a little better than that. You've but. been breaking down some video of James Paxton. You are, he fascinates you. Uh, he does, especially that delivery is it's is unique. fascinating. Um, Front arm up, yeah, but back arm down. And, but and Taiwan Walker's now in AAA and looks like he's pretty close to ready. Even with the other signs not being great, I think the the one thing that the Mariners probably would have asked for the most was okay, let's find out what's the real Taiwan Walker, the guy last year who wasn't always at his best and didn't handle it when he wasn't at his best, or the guy who's close to his best and his best is as good as anybody in the minors? They've gotten the second part of that, and that's, that's hugely important for that franchise. The point the scout made was, this is a good point. Okay, so you've got these four guys. We're not saying all four of them are ready to be in the rotation next year, but you can't go to spring training and say, you know, hey, we're hoping that two or three of these guys. Right. If you right. break in one of them, if you say Taiwan Walker – here you go, here's a spot in the rotation for the final two months of the season. That guy's not in the same, uh-oh, I'm learning how to do this at the big league level stage that you're going to have guys doing next year. Right. You can't – it's a lot easier to do that if you say, you know what, okay, we, yes, we're really – this we'd love movement, it if, we take it. We'd love it if one of you guys came through, you know, but we don't need you. Right. We would like it, but we don't need and it. The thing about that is, is if you can – if you – I think part of that is is trading away some of the veterans where you really go more into this youth movement for the rest of the year makes it a little easier to say, okay, Taiwan Walker, or maybe it's James Paxton. Maybe you say James Paxton, or maybe you say, you know, Brandon Maurer, okay, we're going to give you another chance. Right. But one of those guys needs to be making starts for them so that 
you're hopefully having a guy going into his second year to go with. You know, you got Felix and Iwakuma at the top. Yeah. A guy going to his second, uh, you know, basically he already has 50 innings in the big leagues. Yep. And then a rookie coming. No, I agree with you. You don't want to put too much. You don't want to go into next season with two rookies basically in your rotation. And that's that's just asking too much to, to contend. Um, but I do think, that. hey, the, the youth movement for them it, – it's definitely not hurt them. I mean, that, that, right. what really, what they started getting better the day that they said, you know what, instead of just kind of going away along the same way we were, right? They they made some pretty significant moves. The other team, obviously in the West, we haven't talked much about. It seems like the Angels are becoming sellers. Um, they, not just they're not, they, they, they sold Scott Downs and others. Talk a I lot think, of. Report. I think Albert Pujols could be had very cheap <laughs> right now if you want. Yeah, maybe a Pujols for a Rod deal might. Uh, maybe that's the only contracts that can be traded for each other. I, I think there's probably no trades in that that also uh, squash. That. I, there's probably one in the contract that says these players cannot be traded for each mm-hmm. other. The worlds would collide. Um, but they're talking about dealing Eric Ibar, talking about dealing Howie Kendrick, according to the reports that are out there today. Um, There's not much there to deal, though, is the other sad thing. Not a ton. The guys that people want are like Trumbo or Borges or the younger guys. Obviously, they're not going to trade Trout. And those, I, it doesn't seem could, like he could get a pretty good. If you want to be unconventional, he'd probably get a pretty good package. Um, but you know, the, but, but I think the reason for all this is the A's are so good, and I don't feel like we talk enough about the A's, awesome even as an industry. Just I mean, how good are, Oakland really is, and they're not sitting pat. JJ doesn't seem like they're. In the mix, it sounds like in all the trade rumors you read about, whether it's Jake Peavy or relief pitchers being bandied about, what does Oakland have in its farm system? If they wanted to make a play for Jake Peavy, who would some of the keys be that if you were the White Sox, who would you want back in a Jake Peavy to Oakland deal? Sonny Gray. Yeah, that's where I'd start. To me, Sonny Gray is kind of the cornerstone of that. Now that's a great bounce back year for Sonny Gray. He really had a pretty iffy first full pro season in 2012. A lot, not a lot of strikeouts. Really something he was kind of learning to pitch. I mean, well, if you, hey, I'd probably start by saying Addison Russell, but then they go, no, and then right. you go on. Okay, well, how about Sonny Moving Gray? Moving on. Yeah. I mean, but no, they have pieces. I mean, Sonny Gray, Addison Russell. I think Renato Nunez could be a nice second piece in a deal. I don't right. think he's the first piece, but I think he could be a very nice second piece in a deal. Really neat that Sonny Gray's had the kind of year that he's had. I mean, it's a guy who – I just remember him on that USA college national team being the uh, team cut-up leader of the pitching staff. And that, I believe it was 2010 summer college team. Uh, just hearing the way his teammates and the coaching staff talked about him, a uh, ton of respect. He had a lot of respect in college baseball. Area scouts all liked him out of high school, all liked him in college. So uh, just an easy guy to root for. And uh, just and like you said, just also a good sign for uh, Oakland's uh, pitching development and player development, a, a pitching development system that's had a lot of success recently, or have you not heard of Dan Straley and A.J. Griffin? Guys, we've got a lot less money to sign. Tommy Malone, obviously, was a Nationals product, but uh, they've had so much inexpensive, successful pitching, J.J. and uh, They're a fun team from a prospect watcher's standpoint. They have so much pitching depth now with Brett Anderson getting back. Um, you know, Derek Norris is a doing exactly what Derek Norris did in the minor leagues, hitting for a low average, but drawing a lot of walks, hitting for power, uh, being a, a perfectly cromulent catcher, basically. Um, they're a fun team to watch, and they're doing this all despite the fact they've missed on the Grant Greens, despite the fact that Michael Linoa didn't contribute to their organization really in any way for three years and then finally breaks through this year and stays healthy and looks pretty good, pitches in the Futures game. Uh, just, it, it, just it, It's a very fascinating organization that's not the way that I think the t- average casual baseball fan thinks about uh, the Oakland A's. They're really just doing it kind of an old-fashioned way with 
Uh, they've made some very astute trades, and they've had some really nice development stories. Australian uh, Griffin, really the two guys who stick out to me. Australian Griffin, I mean, and again, they they have they have pieces in the minor. You know, they also have guys. They have the little side pieces too. Like, you you have a, a variety of guys who could be that third guy in a trade too. Um, <laughs> I always come back. I, I I could see a team still saying, you know, okay, we'll take Michael Taylor as the you know <laughs> as the as the fourth guy in a deal. Right. You know, like. I mean, hey, if you're trying the Astros, hey, you know, you, hey, you're like Chris Carter. How about you know, how about Michael exactly. Taylor? Exactly. But you know, but that is very I, similar lines. I, I do think that they're <laughs> they are a team that that could make some noise, and it is amazing just how good. I mean, this is a team that you know that won the division last year, and here they are again. Yeah, I think everyone maybe maybe fluke is too strong of a word, but I think a lot of people thought they were kind of flukish last year. Maybe just had a hot couple of months, a team that was a product of its bullpen. I know I didn't think Straley, especially A.J. Griffin, who I've always rooted for and I've always liked, but I just didn't think it was something he could repeat. But he's repeated it this year, and uh, so their, their pitching depth at the big league level is pretty impressive. So Astros, buying or selling? I mean, like, what's not nailed down <laughs> still there? I mean, is there anything there? that Bud Norris. I mean, Bud Norris is, I, I think, if he – I wonder, like, how much value does Bud Norris really have? Like, is, is Bud Norris a guy, JJ, that you would start if you were the? I guess maybe uh, what what American League team would he start for in the postseason? What what American League team would he be in their top four starters? He wouldn't be in Texas's top four starters. He wouldn't be in Oakland's top four. I don't think. Maybe Cleveland's. See, now that's what's interesting. You said on you say on yeah, I think it would be in Cleveland's. Because, I mean, like, would their top three not be some combination of, obviously, Masterson? But, I mean, like, Ubaldo's pitched well of late. No, he's pitched pretty well of late. Of, of late, but you never know. Ubaldo, the thing that you're – You never know. You, you, I mean, that's, you never that's, know. That's, that's, that's like the Edison <laughs> Volquez uh, starting game one gambit, the Red for a couple years ago. You're like, <laughs> well, hopefully need, this will work out. We don't, don't know. They don't need him to start game one, right. though. That, that's Justin Masterson. That's I mean, he's – But, he's, but he's, what but, I'm saying is, is that what about he's Scott? a guy you go out there and you say – if this goes well, we're going to win tonight. If this goes poorly, we'll be out of this game in a second. <laughs> right. But, I mean, is he better than Corey Kluber or Scott Kazmier or Zach McAllister if he's healthy? No, I don't know. I, I'm, where, the, where really he has value is more of trading to a National League team. I think so. Or trading to an American is, League team is. where you stick him in the bullpen. But, I mean, like he's a starter is the whole point. So It is funny, though. Like That's what I wonder about. I, don't, I, just, I think the reason that Bud Norris hasn't been traded yet is because I think the Astros – have set his value at a certain level, which is fair because he is intriguing, and, and they're finding out that the rest right. of the industry doesn't think he's that good, which I think is also fair. I'm not knocking Bud Norris. Especially because he's had these, you know, his home road splits yeah. generally have been uh, – He's a fourth starter for me on a championship-caliber team, and so you're talking maybe two or three well, starts. But, again, what it comes down to is, is that there's two different things. There's the trade that you make to make you better in the playoffs – and there's the trade that you make to get right. you to the playoffs. And those are two entirely different things. You're right. Like the Atlanta Braves with the Tim Hudson injury, you'd think they'd probably be buying. They don't have a lot of minor league depth. I did actually get to see Brandon Beachy last Wednesday pitch against Durham, and he threw well. I talked to Randy Ray the next day um, for our best tool stuff, but he, I you know, talked to him a little bit about Beachy. He thought that – you know, best case scenario, Beachy probably would have needed one more rehab start just to, from a stamina standpoint. 
That's probably not going to happen. Best case scenario is not really I what's can, going on in Atlanta right now. I can tell you Although this. Although best case scenario is, is, hey, let's have all this happen while we are still dominating the division. Okay, that right. probably is best case scenario. I'll tell you what, the other, the other part of that is let's have all this happen while and, and still be in first place in the division and dominating the division, like you said, while none of our hitters ever make contact. I mean, it is amazing how they've become the old Diamondbacks. <laughs> it's just Justin Upton. I know there are other players involved, but – they are just like the old Diamondbacks who just swung him. All that's missing is Adam Dunn, basically, or Chris, or Chris Young in the middle of this lineup. And like big hack, not a lot of contact goes on an awful lot in Atlanta. I had one scout put it to me just randomly. It's like Dan Uglis, like, yeah, that swing now pretty much is going to hit a homer or he's going to get out. That's pretty much what he's going to do. I mean, the guys, I didn't realize he, he had 129 <laughs> strikeouts. He has 21 homers, and he has 68 hits. So, I mean – Again, it's a it's a power oriented swing, uh, but but, but wh- who else? You know, JJ in the na- among the National League's, um, you know, d- teams that are likely to make the playoffs. I mean, the, the Reds are an outstanding team, but they're in a very difficult division. Uh, it's just like they're going to have to do something. You would imagine they're going to do something because they don't want. They might have to be reactive. So the, they don't the be- interesting thing for them though is is that I think that they're what they're going to do is they're going to say our moves are going to come from internally. We're going to get Ryan Ludwig back before too long. Johnny Cueto should be back before too long. I think that they're going to look at it. The interesting thing they're going to have when Johnny Cueto comes back is, is okay, yeah, who comes out of the rotation? Tony Singrani's been the sixth guy. Tony Singrani went seven innings, struck out 11, he you know, been seven outs- scoreless. He's been outstanding. For a guy whose secondary pitches were Panda's average or fringe average, he seems like he gets a lot of swings and misses with the secondary stuff for the big leagues. Maybe because the fastball, the fastball is so, so good, good and you have to respect it, but – and his secondary stuff has gotten better. Like, if you look at Tony Singrani the first time he came up, and even he didn't work on it even that much in the minors, but the second time he's come up, the secondary stuff is a little better. But really what it comes down to I'm is – I've seen a couple times where the breaking ball is really it's down and it's late. It's pretty impressive. But the really what it comes down to, though, is, is there are so few pitchers who have a fastball that is a yeah. swing and miss yeah. and who do, who do as good a job of getting swing and misses – up out of the zone, right? As he does. So apparently, the key is if you're going to draft the rice, pit, rice pitcher, make sure he's one who doesn't pitch that much of rice, <laughs> because 79 innings in two years for Tony Singrani. I mean, his last year he used a lot. I, I love. I've used the story enough the that I probably awesome. need to retire it. But he went to the coaching staff after his junior year and said, "I understand. <laughs> I understand if you don't want me back." Yeah. He went from that to starting in the big leagues in two years. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's amazing. That's great scouting. I mean, that's. I do think that the, that Rice deserves a little credit for him. No, I'm going to say I, I would like for uh, people no, who he, like to bang on Rice to give he, them a little credit for Tony Singrani. Yeah, he, had a, he had a very good senior year, and that he had a great senior year. One seventy four ERA, twelve saves, had a bunch of strikeouts. But now here's the question to me: the, to, to me, the team in the Central, I don't think the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals have said we're not going to make minor moves. If we make something, it'll be a biggie. Right. And if any team out there has the pieces. If yeah. there's a big name on the market, I don't know what they would necessarily be going after. But if there is and they want it, they could go get it. You almost could say like the best prospect first baseman right now is not in the minor leagues. But like Matt Adams probably has more attraction to teams than any other. First, if, I mean, like, like not like first baseman move a lot in trades. Right. But I'm just saying if you wanted a first baseman and you wanted major league ready talent, there's not a better one useful. better than him. I, there's just not. Well, I'll put it this way. If you said, hey, Colton Wong is a centerpiece of a trade, 
that's right. a pretty we'll good trade you our, We'll trade you our big league ready second baseman, but we need a shortstop. I mean, that seems like that's the big motivating factor right. in St. Louis is a shortstop. And the so. problem, really the problem they have is, is there just aren't that many shortstops available, and especially right. that you would say are, <laughs> are guys who you say, okay, that's really going to be an upgrade. Right. Guys who aren't just Daniel Descalso slash uh, right. You know, I don't. Uh, I understand. Why, I understand why they're saying. You know what? We're not going to make a minor trade because what does that help us? But I do think that the Pirates are also Pirates. extremely well positioned. If they want to make a move, they have the pieces to make it. Probably more than I can ever remember with the Pirates in that's, that's in, an my, in my adult lifetime. But that's an organization that's had. Very few things not go their way this year, which is, you know, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good for them. I mean, obviously, good, you but know, if you, I, I don't think I've ever been, like, accused of being on the pirate bandwagon. But most of their moves have really come through this year. And even, like, on a very small scale, just getting Tony Sanchez of the big leagues, um, but, Garrett Cole, the way they brought Garrett Cole along, and then the minor league level, the continued progress of Polanco, Hanson, the kind of a breakout year of Tyler, of, uh, Tyler, Tyler Glasnow in, in, uh, in, in the lower levels. Outside of Clay Holmes uh, and maybe a couple, an injury, you know, Luis Heredia not really being ready to, uh, from a st- being in shape to, to be on a full season roster to start the year, you have to kind of like search far and wide for n- not good stories in that organization and a lot of homegrown help in their bullpen and in their uh, overall big league roster. It's a, it's a feel good story in a lot of ways and I think Clint Hurdle deserves a lot of credit for the steering it all in the right direction. And- I have to give credit, although I scratch my head when you say Jordy Mercer, everyday shortstop, and it's actually not been terrible. One of your seven college alumni, I had to add it up last week doing the USA-Cuba game. So they're uh, alumni of the Cuban national team who play shortstops in the major league. There are four of them. And alumni of the U.S. college national team who plays shortstop in the big leagues. There are six of those. But Jordy Mercer is one of them. And, you know, having a really nice year and pretty good defensive player and a better player than Clint Barmas. Uh, no, it's what's probably funny is, a is solid. That, hey, the Cardinals would love to have Jordy Mercer. Uh, the right best now. way I put it is, is that you say, well, the Pirates need to do. I don't think that their first priority is is replacing Jordy Mercer at shortstop. I think their first priority would be, can we get a right fielder? Right. And again, they have the pieces there. I, Alex Rios is the guy you know seems to keep being floated around. I don't That's a know. Surprising one. I don't know if that necessarily is as big a help as. Maybe people think. I know he's had a solid year this year. He also did get benched in the last week for you know for yeah. not running out. Motor's not always running there. And he also that's, lost that's a, a long, game. He that's lost a long-term a, problem for Alex Rios. He lost a game at, just after being benched for failing to tag from third base in the ninth inning on a ball that you know David Lowe dived, catches the ball, and pops up to throw it in, and Rios is jogging back to third base. It's yeah. a tie game. You're on third base. Your man, David Lowe. You know, but kudos uh, by the way on David Lowe. Nice, yeah, I, he's had a nice year. Uh, but uh, but uh, is there? I, see, I thought you were going to say the bullpen would be where Pittsburgh would. I, I think right field, Travis Snyder at yeah, this point. Brutal. The uh, the expiration date probably is about there. Um, you know, Garrett Jones is the you know, can play first and maybe even a little bit still out there as the platoon guy. But I do think right field. The the outlandish thing I'll say though is, is if you don't find the right deal. If I'm them, I would seriously have to consider bringing up Gregory Polanco. You love Gregory Polanco. I, I do. With a good reason. And I do. And one of the things, though, if you said, I mean, that's crazy for a guy who spent a good bit of the year in high A, but at the same time, this guy's walked more than he struck out in double A. This is a more advanced approach than the normal. At nothing else, I'll put it this way. He's more ready than Avisil Garcia. Right. And Avisil Garcia went from, Acquitted the, himself well went last from year. the Florida State League most of last year to being useful for the Tigers 
in their playoff run. You know, that and being Gregory Polanco is a better player, is a better prospect, and he's more ready. I do wonder, like, there was no way the Tigers could have, I think, known that Abisail Garcia, unless, well, I shouldn't say that. Clearly the Tigers knew something the rest of us didn't, and that even though the, this guy was hacktastic in the minor leagues from a statistical standpoint, that he could still have a discerning eye at the plate and really have a pretty polished approach for such a young guy with such bad strikeout-to-walk numbers in the minor leagues. He defied that in his big league at bats. So I would assume the Pirates would have to be asking themselves that same question. Do we now? Obviously, because I think Polanco is a more well-rounded prospect, probably has better all-around tools See, than Garcia. But does he have the approach where he could handle it like right. Avisel Garcia like, did? Really, last year? to me, the only question at this point again: if they can't make a deal, if you can make a right. deal, but if you we're being hypothetical here, sir. if you can't make a deal, the big question because here's the thing: what Polanco gives you more than Garcia even did, you know, is more than. When Marcelo Zuna, the other guy came, you know, Marcelo Zuna came up from basically after Possibly two weeks in double year, A. Yeah. You know, now he's out for the year, but yeah, he came injury. up and was a little better than I expected because he was another guy who did have a, absolutely. He went from a, a all power comp. approach to more of a cut down his swing to a contact approach to the big leagues. It was kind of surprising how much he made that that adjustment. But the thing I come back to with Polanco is, is compare him to the right fielders they have now. He's going to be better defensively. Right. He's going to run better. He's going to be a used. It really comes down to, are you going to hurt his long-term development? If that's right. the case, well, then it probably isn't worth it. But if that's not the case, I, I do think that this is a guy you have to consider. But again, if they do want to make a deal, you mentioned those guys. Throw on top of that, you could use Josh Bell in a deal. You, you, know, you mentioned Alan Hansen. You already have, you have Jameson Tyone and Tyler Glasnow. Okay, in the right deal, and I don't know if there's a right deal out there, but in the right deal, so you have two power arm potential, you know, guys in your big, minor leagues behind Garrett Cole who you just brought up. Right, some big donkey right-handed power arm. Those are hard to find. That those guys have value in a, and obviously have value in a trade. It's they're in they're pretty well positioned. JJ, we actually did have a question from a longtime prospect fan Japers, JP, asking what prospect package would it take for the A's or Red Sox to land PV? We talked about the A's a little bit. I mean, Boston is another organization. They've already used some of their minor league depth trading Brandon Jacobs, who a couple of years ago was a fringe top 100 guy um, for Matt Thornton. What else does Boston have that it could deal? It's like this has, again, been an organization that's had a really good bounce-back year at I, the minor league level. I think what they have is they have pitching and they have left side of the infield guys, and those are two things that are very valuable. Like yep. if you look at it, Brandon Workman. If they wanted to trade a shortstop <laughs> or a third baseman, I mean, I think we all, you and I are definitely low on Jose Iglesias maintaining his offensive right. performance that he's shown to the to point. I, this, think, I this, think other teams would be also like, uh, certainly. we're buying on the no bat, you know. But Jose. that guy can play shortstop. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, but, uh, they, but they also but could Devin even Marrero deal. Is, right, they have Devin Marrero down the line. They also have Will Middlebrooks, who's been to the big leagues, now kind of reestablishing Karen, himself at AAA. I'm not even, like, taking Xander Bogarts and putting him in the no, right. I'm sorry, but, you know, basically unless you give us your entire team, no. We'll use Andrew Bogarts as part of our Mike Trout package. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but putting that away, okay, then you say, well, is Will Middlebrooks available? Okay. It, if not, which you decide, Red Sox, you decide who's your third baseman in the future. And if not, okay, we'll take Garen Cicchini. I right. Mean, he's a very right. valuable third baseman. Very base. intriguing minor league guy. You know, and then at shortstop, you said you've got Iglesias, who again, okay, Adiani Hechevarria was part of a big part of a deal last year. Right. You know, this could was at least a key part of a deal. 
Iglesias could be at least a part of the deal. Devin Marrero, who's a very useful, you know, projectable shortstop, you know, who's right. Now they have done pieces. what you expected. And then on the pitching side, Brandon Workman's come up and, and been pretty good. Yeah, he's been who's, a very nice stopgap kind of guy. Could be a, a bigger piece down the line. Right. You, you've got Alan Webster, who I know has been kind of backtracking a little bit lately. You've got Ruby De La Rosa. You have Henry Owens. You have Matt Barnes, who hadn't had the greatest year but still has value. Still, I think, leading the Eastern League in strikeouts per nine. And, and I do think also, if I'm, the Red Sox, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm saying, and by the way, Anthony Renato can be Shiny had. bobble. <laughs> That's and, what you and, think. I and know. I do think from the standpoint of Anthony Renato's had a very good year. Um, he, <laughs> I was he waiting has. for you to get to him. I mean, he, he has. You know, he's had a very good year. The concern you got to have is, is that, you know, I talked to Renato for a while at the Futures game. He said last year, even the year before that, it was really frustrating rearing back and going, wait, where is it? It's not right. there. Right. So a lot of times it was hard to really be free and easy. And even when I felt like I was free and easy, it, still it wasn't, wasn't coming out. Right. This year it's back. If it stays there, that's really something. But if you said, especially in an organization that has all these pitching prospects, if I find a team who saw Renato really good this year, I he could be a cornerstone guy because he is he's a healthy Renato's one of the better starting pitching prospects in the minors. It's just a question of can he maintain this? Right. And that's to me if I'm the Red Sox, when I have I have Henry Owens who could be that guy. I have Matt Barnes who could be that guy. Of all those, it is useful to me to say Anthony Renato, hey, you saw he was up to 97, great downward plane. You know, two plus pitches. What do you think? Yeah, and you you see what other teams think. JJ, good podcast. This is fun. This has been fun. It's been fun to be back in here. Uh, any other teams that we missed in there? Did you, um, want, did you want to discuss the Phillies at all? Uh, we, 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 we think we need to. I mean, is there any question? I guess the thing with the Phillies is they are interesting in a way, but the, only, the way that they're most interesting no. is almost like in train wreck uh, capacity because uh, the team's falling apart at the big league level. They've, they've tied the Mets for losses. They're really trending toward last place in the division. They have a proven closer, albeit a declining closer, but a proven closer in Jonathan Papelbon. You'd think they'd want to move. Um, See, they needed, they, they, you know, uh, Ruben, do you trust? If A, if you're a Phillies fan, you'd want them to sell, right? I think here's the problem. But this would is, you want Ruben Amar to be the one in charge of the this, selling? This is the problem to me that you're seeing with a number of these teams is, is that it's tough if you're a team that's having a bad year but your GM is already kind of under fire in that the trade deadline, if you sell, it's officially like saying, okay, and I don't know how the Phillies aren't sellers at this right. point. I'm sorry, but. How aren't they at the very least trying to sell some seven kind of under re- 500. They're you're yeah. delusional if you're not a seller. How do you not kind of like try to sell some kind of, to your fans, recalibration for next year? But, yeah, we're an older team. Things haven't worked out for us in 2013, but for 2014, we're going to make one last run with all these old jokers. This, I, I would put the chance of the success of that last run in 2014 oh, at I follow you, but, and I think that Phillies fans know it. Their attendance is down. Their TV ratings are down. They, I mean, their attendance should, is down the, significantly. The reality of this is that. And that's with Dominic Brown breaking through. The, the problem is, is that you look at this team now and you say, okay, they have some contracts that really look pretty awful now. I mean, they look bad. Ryan Howard's contract looked bad the day it was signed. Ryan but it Howard. really looks bad now. Ryan Howard. But, I mean, <laughs> it does. And, you know, there's just not a whole lot of guys to build around. The reality is, is that the guys that they would have built around, most of them they, they traded away because they yeah. kept trying they kept trying to get, grab the brass ring again. Well, 
at some point that that comes due, and that's come due now. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of guys. Michael Franco is to me probably you know Michael Franco and Jesse Biddle are are the hope for the future, and I, I you know I, I like both those guys, but there's not a whole lot of guys to help them. Yes, they've had a decent year as a farm system. I you know I think it's like, and you know John Pettibone breaking through the big leagues and being perfectly satisfactory. Cody, Cody, Ash, Cody Ash is getting passed by Malcolm Franco, but he's had a solid year. At, yeah, well, they have it, they have some guys. I think it's a pretty decent farm Ro- system. Roman Quinn is like still. Roman I know Quinn. he hasn't had a great. You'd expect him to have a great year offensively, right? But he's still flashing. Like okay, it's going to take a little while, but there might be something there, right? But it's just it, it it's just hard to see the, them com- contending next year, like you said, unless. You're basically banking on Halliday and, and Lee again for one last time. But before we wrap, around. I did want to kind of like to be completist about this. So you you follow the Nationals pretty closely, you know, usually. What yeah. do you, I mean, are they at the point where they need to say, or are they is there too much invested in this? To I don't think it's too much invested. I think it's too much ego invested. I mean, they're because they're two hundred five hundred right now themselves. I mean, they're yeah. It's been a, no, it's been an epic collapse. I mean, obviously their offense has been atrocious. But what I did think, they do? I don't think there's not much they can do this year. I think that the, what they did in the offseason, which I thought they had a great offseason, I thought if I had to pick one, I would have picked LaRoche over Morse. If I had to pick a, a, a free agent closer to go out and get, I thought Rafael Soriano was the guy because I thought there's no way Drew Storen's bouncing back from this, and he hasn't. But uh, I don't think there's any way that you could really have known that basically trading out Denard Span, uh, Michael Morse for Denard Span, I thought it would help their offense. Their offense has gone to the tank. Um you know, and that's with getting some of these guys back. But uh, I, I don't really, know. The, 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 I really don't know how they get better this year. I think they, what you kind of have to do, and I think what Mike Rizzo is kind of doing is this year just nothing. They got none of the breaks they thought they'd get. They're going to go back back to war next year with these same guys. And there is still, I think, elite talent there. Maybe you purge yourself a Danny Hare, and that was but, the one move right, that but they've had a nobody core, yeah, They have a core that's still going to be here for years right. to come. So, so the, this is not the same thing as you say, like the Phillies exactly. where you go, right. hey, 2014, and everyone laughs at you. I mean, there's a 34-year-old first baseman. LaRoche, I guess, is 33, 34 years old. Otherwise, you know, and it's not like they're going to get rid of Jason Worth. I mean, he's had a really nice year statistically. You read Nationals coverage and what Nats fans say, and they all hate Jason Worth. He's not clutch, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think he's the problem. He might wind up being their long-term solution at first base. But, um, you know, th- there's not a lot of age on this team, so I'm with you. The core there is still going to be the core. With, if, if they get back to the playoffs, I should say when they get back to the playoffs, it's going to be behind Strasburg, Zerman, the other Zerman, Harper, Desmond, Rendon. Wilson Ramos, Anthony Rendon. But, yeah, it's not going to be – I think it's going to be the same group of guys, but it's not going to be – they're just going to have to make some little tweaks. And it sounds like a lot of the speculation now is that – and I think it was Adam Kilgore who wrote it this weekend – that they really just miss Morse more in the clubhouse than anywhere else. This was a team that – I think the, the phrase that Adam Kilgore wrote was, this was a team that had a lot of pressure on it coming into the year. They've played tight from day one, and that has never abated. By the way, if I'm another team uh, – I'm calling and going. So Danny Espinosa, um, yeah. yeah, he's not going to fit for you guys long term, or short term. I'd love to try to, you know, try to make him fit for us. If you could be the guy that can fix that, be my guest. There's an awful lot of swing and miss there. No, I know, I know, but it also at the same time, like, wasn't he fifth in the major leagues last year in, stri- in strikeouts? Right. You're, you're. There's going to be some highs and lows with that. Certainly. But at the same time, still worth trying to buy low on him. Exactly. I agree. Okay. Again, to to wrap in up in the interest though, of completeness, you know. We talked about the Red Sox. I do think in the AL East, the Yankees are are the team that, again, 
They're 55 and 50, so they have every right to be in this and doing what they can. The rough thing for them is is that there's just not much. There's there's too many there, there's too many holes in the boat that is hard to figure out. Like I mean, the good news for them is is they can make moves. And whatever they do almost seems like, okay, they can shore up a position because they've got so many positions. Certainly. I still think the the other X factor for them besides trying to upgrade their offense is CeCe Sabathia. I mean, right now he's like, what is he, their second best starting pitcher? Hiroki Kuroda's pitched like an ace this year and has just been fantastic. And it's kind of uh, a guy who maybe I'm just the one who's not paying enough attention, but he feels like he's a guy who's underrated, JJ. How, How are you a star for the New York Yankees and underrated? I don't know, but he feels like he's underrated. But the rest of the year, I don't know how they're doing it. Uh, Joe Girardi, I, I, Joe Girardi just deserves a ton of credit. He, it's to a me, if you said manager of the year right now. I you could you could give it to him. I mean, it's I been mean, pretty masterful. I think well, John, I think John Farrell is probably your guy because the way the Red Sox were so horrible last year. Yeah, I mean, again though, it's mostly I, the same but guys. I, but I but I would say with Farrell though, like if I I could make, I think I could make an argument for Girardi, which is with the Red Sox. And hey, he's a great candidate also for it. Right, but. Or I guess if we're you forgetting about me, Bob Melvin. <laughs> but and well, Bob Melvin, I was a great, great candidate. But if you told me with the Red Sox, you said, "Hey, so Lester and Buckholtz and all are going to go back to being, you know, right, front end starters, they and they're not going to have as many injuries, and things are going to turn around." That seems, yeah, I would buy right. that at the start of the season. And go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But like Joe Girardi's getting thirty-five good innings out of Preston freaking Claiborne. I mean, come on. No t- offense to his area scout who signed him, but Preston freaking Claiborne, come on. The best way I can put it is if you told me and said, okay, so here's – and again, they've, it's hard to say who the regulars are for the Yankees because it moves around, but if you said <laughs> – I don't have a regular so, on the left side of the infield. So Chris Stewart's going to be the catcher. Lyle Overbay's going to be the first baseman. Uh, Jason Nix is going to be the shortstop. David Adams, the third baseman. Vernon Wells, the left fielder. They have two regulars. They basically have two regulars for the whole year over the course of the season. That's really remarkable. That I mean, again, maybe I guess that, four. If you told me that, and then you said, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, CC Sabathia is going to have his worst year by far of the last, what, 10? Um, oh, the last 15. It's yeah. the worst year of his career. You know, oh, Phil Hughes is not going to really have a breakthrough year. Uh, you know, Andy Pettit's going to be solid and serviceable, but nothing better than that. They're really not going to, besides Kuroda, you're not going to have another guy who is consistently giving you dominance. How. Mariano Rivera is going to be good. Okay, I'll you know, but right. the rest of that, I'm not buying that. Like, yeah, I don't. And the, and the thing is, I mean, I still assume the Yankees will get better as they get Granderson back and Jeter back. Uh, obviously, Jeter's already back, but are they going to be good enough to catch Baltimore? Are they going to be ca- good enough to catch Tampa? Good enough to catch See, Boston? I, that's the part that I, I doubt the most. So to me, I, they've only got to catch maybe one of those teams, but they've also got to stay or get back over Texas, um, potentially Cleveland. So it's a long road for, for New York. I give credit also. I give credit to the Orioles in that they've been making the the minor, not the big moves. Right, the tweaks. But the tweaks, you know, that, that really kind of are doing a good job. I know Feldman hadn't pitched that great yet, but, but he's still like adding Feldman, adding K-Rod. Right. These minor little they're, – they're not the massive meal deals, but they're the deals that like they need to do to kind of stay in this. Because they're, they're a team now, I mean – they're riding – they've got a couple of stars to ride. That's never, the first time you can say that in a while for the Orioles. I didn't buy the regression story for Baltimore this year in the offseason just because I thought there was no one – if you were talking about them regressing because of last year's uh, how they won so many close games, yes, that would change. But also Manny Machado. It's going to be better than – yeah. They had Manny Machado for like 40 games last right. year. And when they had him, they were awesome. They were a completely different team. So and, full year Manny Machado, 
If you give him full year Manny Machado, you give him healthy Nick Marquez. Now, did I know Chris Davis? <laughs> Chris Davis turns into Superman? No, no one knew that, and now he's turned back into Crash Davis because, what, has he got 20 strikeouts since the All-Star game already? I mean, more strikeouts than Dan Uglow. That's the hard to do. The thing is, is that he can pretty much go O for the rest of the year. And, and it'll, it'll still, still look be good. like, oh, 37 homers? That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it'll still look good. But, I mean, this is a team that um, – that, that, so that's why I thought this team would be and as good or better than they were last year, at least offensively. It's been, like you said, the small moves around the margins. And, again, I think I've said this many times, I'm just very happy to see Chris Tillman be, do well. Uh, I remember talking about him with scouts in high school. I think we thought he'd be a prospect who would come through for a long time. And there weren't, there weren't signs of him doing it throughout the minor leagues with Baltimore. But then he finally did it at the big leagues last year, and then he sustained it this year. So um, just very encouraging to see uh, to see that. And still discouraging to see that Brian Mattis is still just a left-on-left reliever, essentially. But probably not the value they thought they were getting fourth overall. But if he helps <laughs> them not. win, he helps them win. So good for Brian Mattis. You know? If you said, though, if you asked me, and I know that they're on a hot streak right now, but if you ask me the team that doesn't need to make any moves necessarily because I don't know what moves they would make, the Rays are the team. Like, I don't know. Well, they never make moves. I think the other day there was a uh, – well, no, it was today. Jonah Carey, noted twi- uh, Rays enthusiast, who tweeted that Tampa's biggest moves all time at the trade deadline have been like Chad Qualls and Ryan Roberts. Right. But and like thing- maybe now if they get Jesse Crane, he might be the biggest deadline move for them ever. But the and thing about it they is already made their move. They called up Chris Archer and uh, Will Myers. They called up the two best players in the Durham Bulls. But the thing about it is, though, is, is that you look at the Rays. There have been years that they haven't made moves, and you're like, why aren't you making a move? Right. First base is a, is a sucking chest wound. I mean, <laughs> this year. First base resembles the 19th century. This Sorry. year, you, you say, what? <laughs> I really don't know. They don't have a regular right now. Now that you add Will Myers, Yeah. they don't have a regular – who I would say, hey. I mean, they could always use a catcher if you ask me. They don't. They don't go I, for offense there. I get it. Jose Molina is a wizard when it comes to stealing he strikes. Is. And you know what? When I've, you have a pitching based team, I follow steal that. the strikes. I follow that. But I will. I will also also give the slow clap to James Loney, a player that I haven't believed in in years. And slow clap to the to the Rays pro scouting department. And never JJ ever. That was an extended play of that gimmick. But I never thought. This guy would have the kind of year he's had in the minor leagues. 321, 369, 460. Leslie Anderson is cursing him both in his native Jamaican and Cuban uh, languages. I know those aren't languages. But uh, Leslie Anderson's thinking, I'm hitting 320 with more power than I've ever shown in my life here in Durham. Third year in a row I've been here. What do I have to do? Hell, they sound James Loney. I'm finally going to break through. No, not so much. I mean, just kind of remarkable that he's had the kind of year he's had. So kudos to them for the pro scouting. Kudos, I think, to Joe Madden and the other guys on their coaching staff to bring it out of him and obviously to, to Loney. You asked the question with Bud Norris, and you said, does he start in the playoffs for you? Maybe. Well, yeah. Let me ask you the question. <laughs> yeah. How do you – who's your Rays postseason rotation? More slash price one, more slash price two. Um, Chris Archer's got to be – if, if he stays hot, uh, I guess it depends on how Alex Cobb bounces back, you know, post-traumatic uh, injury. Uh, it's either him or Hellickson. Would be your fourth. I mean, the ghost of Fausto Carmona but, is e- eating up some innings for him, and the good for right, him. Roberto Hernandez is not right. a part of this. But, but this is. I mean, you could potentially, if Alex Cobb comes back and pitches like Alex Cobb used to, you really do have to wonder if Jeremy Hellickson gets left out of this playoff rotation. I think that's a very potentially possible. That's and, a very possible thing this, to happen. No team is going to want to. Okay, 
Huh. Okay, if we get by David Price, the defending Cy Young winner in Game 1, the probable answer, we get Matt Moore in Game yeah. 2. Oh, yeah, by Matt, Matt Moore, the same guy who shut out the Rangers two years ago in his first big league start yeah. in the playoffs. Okay, so we got through that. Well, what we got next? Oh, yeah, Chris Archer, just, who is dominating. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the Yankees lineup is down, but just complete game shout-out in Yankee Stadium in your 11th big league start, not not too shabby. Uh, but and I will Maddox say – for it, you know, too, which I do like the, the new term, the Maddox, for the under-100 pitch. Uh, oh, yeah, I like that. That's a good term. I do think that Chris Archer is a guy who would help more in the bullpen than a Cobb or a Hellickson. But and by the way, speaking of helping in the bullpen, still, Alex Torres. Yeah, who knew? I, I mean, mean, not me. But He was the, about as bad as he could be last year. So, again – Again, speaking of that, though, like if you said, hey, is it, do they have anyone who could help in the far- – if you said Alex by, Colome? <laughs> but you know, but down the road, if you said at the end of the season, you know, we're gonna bring up any Romero to throw, oh, I don't know, ninety eight to right. ninety nine from the left side out of we the We haven't camp. even mentioned Jake Odorizzi. Yeah. <laughs> so, who's been perfectly fine in triple A. Jake Odorizzi who's who's on the Rays apprentice plan, which means that check back in two thousand fifteen exactly. when an opening uh, opens up. Yeah, he called he called Alex Cobb and said, So where where can I move into your old house? <laughs> I mean like that you were in for three years here or Jeff Neiman? Um, I mean, again, this is a team. Yeah, what that, what will ever happen to Jeff Neiman when he ever comes back? This is a team that traded away in a front end of the rotation starter in James Shields, lost Jeff Neiman, who was a you know who's a thirty you know start you know a year guy, perfectly good fourth starter. And it's like, and they're still right now. You look at it and say, okay, they're really probably about seven or eight starting pitchers deep right now. Get sick. I mean, it's it's amazing. It, it's, it's sick. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we're not even mentioning too much about the fact that Will Myers has come up and been everything you would expect of the 2012 minor league player of the year. He mishit his second home run against the Yankees the other day. It's like he mishit. It was up in the air. And it was it was up in the zone, and it was away from him. And he just kind of looked almost – it almost looked like a defensive swing, but it was a ridiculously fast defensive swing. It just kind of muscled one out the right field. Um, and the first home run he hit – I don't know if you saw that highlight, but 421 feet and got all of it and – He's twitchy, you know. He's fast twitch. He's athletic. I don't know. Just the the forearms and the hands. It's just not a surprise that he's hitting for power in the big leagues. The surprise, of course, was that he didn't start doing that immediately. But JJ, uh, if, if you wait, uh, good things can can come to That's you. That's the Rays' so way. It is the Rays' way, and uh, it's it's fun to watch from a, from a, from afar. And it will be interesting to watch if they can keep it up. I know they just hit the softest part of their schedule, but from a talent standpoint, it certainly seems like, seems like they should. Um, are we supposed to mention the pod, the, uh, on, the on this podcast, the uh, hot sheet from the other day? I, no, I did want to mention that. Did you know that uh, number eight prospect Miguel Sano had been benched for four games last week by the Twins for not running a ball out and for basically lack of effort? So that's the kind of thing. It is the I, kind of thing that in the past you would never have known about a four-day benching. Um, right. But now everyone who follows the Twins follows probably follows. The hardcore fans are all following the New Britain writers on Twitter. Right. And uh, no, it's, it's a great I mean, checking his I, I game, have, game logs at baseballamerica.com. I remember when Yaswell Puig was benched, uh, was yeah, pulled from a game year, early yeah. in this year, and uh, calling and, 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 you know, talking to a couple of Dodgers officials. One of them said, Hey, let's be honest here. If this was fill in the blank, you know, would you be calling me? You know, and I'm like, No, yeah. it's Yaswell Puig. That's what I'm calling you. And I said, I, I admit, look, this is something that. 10 years ago, no one noticed. Yep. That's not the world we live in now. And by the way, long term, I have no concerns about the fact that, yeah. you know, Miguel Sano was pulled, you know, was benched for four days. That's sending a message. And this is the place. This is the point. That's why you do it in the minors. Even if you don't, 
you know, if it does get noticed now. I mean, that's where you send that message in the minors. It's, hey, you know, you got to play consistently every day, and we want you to learn that now rather than learn that in the big leagues. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. Hey, kudos to uh, Cole Calhoun, and uh, who's number two. and uh, and, and Exactly, and Kyle Zimmer, number one, who's uh, just saw his brother Bradley play here last week with uh, USA Baseball. So I, I can't believe you guys didn't put uh, Carlos Rodon number one on the hot sheet. Sorry, it does have to be in pro games. That's unfortunate. It was we'll in a pro wait. ballpark. Yeah, we'll just we'll give us time. He'll it was awesome. We'll be back to wrap up the uh, trade deadline as it uh, finishes up this week. I'm lobbying JJ not for a podcast, but for a Google Plus Hangout to talk about it. So yeah, I was gonna say we'll definitely do one of those. I think Matt Eddie though does want to do a podcast. Matt Eddie does love his trade deadline. I don't think Matt Eddie's a a, a Google Plus Hangout kind of guy. That's well, not his. That's not his forte. So we'll stick to the podcast then. We, but uh, but no, this has been fun getting the gang back together. Yeah, every once in a while. So we we try to make up for it with the seventy plus minutes of podcast goodness. Again, the Prospect Handbook podcast by Baseball America is brought to you by DraftDay.com. For JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.